Gran Turismo 7 reviews Crash and Burn, the initiative has lost the initiative, and a new Witcher game? Stay tuned for this exciting episode of the Campfire Gaming Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Campfire Gaming Podcast. My name is Rich, and I will be your host for this week's episode. With me, of course, as always, is the illustrious Matt. How's it going, Matt? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty decent. I will say I am really, really excited because we get to announce something really, really cool, and that is we are going to be having a few bonus episodes over the next couple of weeks, aren't we? Oh, snap. Yeah, we are. Thanks for reminding me. I would have forgot. Yeah, yeah. So we are going to be, as many of you know, or maybe not know, uh, we are very, very big Halo fans. I know it might not have seemed like it over the last few months, but it's true. We do really like Halo still. So we are going to be covering the Halo TV series. We will be watching each episode week by week, and we will be making an additional bonus Campfire Gaming Podcast episode specifically for what we have just watched. We will suffer through it so that you don't have to. Yep. I guess kind of a review reaction type. I don't know. We haven't quite officially decided on everything we're going to cover. But yeah, really our thoughts. Yes. Probably probably more of our... <laughs> we'll be doing <laughs> a reaction. Very opinionated. So if Very you opinionated reaction episode, yes. And it will probably be filled with spoilers galore. However, we aren't releasing these episodes until Wednesday, right before the next episode airs. So you have time to watch the episode before listening to our stuff. Yep. So follow along with us. Yes, it'll be fun. It'll be it exciting. Will be fun. Yes. Hopefully. You might have a couple of guests on the show that are uh, watching the show with us. With that said... Uh, be sure to visit our website, campfiregamingpodcast.com. There you can find all of our catalog of episodes, um, including links to our Twitter at CampGamePod, and of course, a link to our Discord, which we very, very, very much recommend that you come and join us so that we can play games together. We can, you know, talk about how we like or dislike the Halo TV series or the next season of The Mandalorian, whichever comes, you know, whichever we decide to talk about for any given any given day. Um, but yeah, join us on Discord is what I'm trying to say. All right, so let's get into it. First thing that we got uh, this week, Matt, is we have got some news about games. Uh, we are a gaming podcast after all, so we got a lot to talk about in terms of games and game news and things like that. But we did have something special for you Harry Potter fans out there, and that is Hogwarts Legacy. Matt, did you want to dive into what you saw at the Sony State of Play Hogwarts Legacy and give us an give us some info about what you saw? I will I will do my best. Um I uh, I don't hate uh Harry Potter, but I definitely always was that Lord of the Rings fan. So I will do Ooh. my fa- my best to do justice for you Harry Potter fans out there. Um but yes, there was a State of Play for Hogwarts Hogwarts Legacy. Um, some kind of interesting news came out of there. Uh, the good news is you don't have long to wait to play it. It's coming holiday 2022. Um, hopefully they don't delay it. 
But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. For now, it's coming holiday 2022. Uh, for those who didn't know, it's a single uh, single player action RPG. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, not a huge Harry Potter fan, but it looks like it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, the big thing that they focused on um, and they talk about during the state of play was that they really kind of fleshed out the the Hogwarts school right you know because you know you you know like you do with any sort of like movie and stuff i remember actually kind of similar stories when they were uh building the south park games um like the stick of truth is right you know you you watch these things you watch these movies or these shows right and you know you just see maybe these rooms I, and i'm sorry i'm not a as i mentioned not a fan so i don't know what exciting rooms you want to see um in in hogwarts but uh, it's like, how are all these connected? Where are these actually in the castle and blah, 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 right? Well, they had to think through all this and actually build out, you know, all these, these um, you know, rooms and connect them. How do they, you know, work together? Um, and, and along the way, they, they threw in a lot of cool little secrets. Um, I guess each uh, house has its own, like, common room that you go into. Uh, so sure. Be, just, like the, just like the books describe right yeah and the movies but I think, show i think there was one of the rooms because they focused on it was it that was it's, it's about, is it slither one of the rooms didn't it sounded the way they were talking um during the state of play was uh they've never kind of shown this common room before so it was exciting that they were able to build one out for the game uh so that's exciting but uh as as far as what you'll be doing you will be a, you'll be able to create your own witch or wizard um, and then much like the movies, uh, the sorting hat will decide what house you join. So uh, I imagine it's pretty exciting for Harry Potter fans to be able to have the sorting hat assign them a house. So uh, but during your adventures, uh, you'll be able to uncover the dark secrets of some kind of like strange magic, um, uh, ancient magic that kind of shows up, I guess, um, along with uh I guess it puts you on a, what do they say here? Your ties to an ancient magic put you on the collision course with a goblin rebellion led by Ranrock, um, aided by his alliance with the dark wizard, Victor Rookwood, who both present formidable threats to the entire wizard world. So um, I, again, that kind of means nothing to me, but the way they talk about maybe <laughs> Ranrock and Victor might be kind of big names in the lore. Um, so hopefully uh, that's exciting for you. Or if they're just made up characters, it's still a pretty cool idea there, you know, with a Goblin Rebellion and obviously Dark Wizards. It's always an exciting time mm -hmm. in those fantasy worlds. Mm -hmm. But Yeah, uh, so I mean, just like walking through some of the, I mean, some of the gameplay that they did show off here, um, I mean, obviously, it's an action RPG is what they're going for. And it's really interesting that, uh, see, I've never really played a lot of the previous Harry Potter games, but it is very, like, like the combat is truly very action-oriented is what it mm -hmm. does look like. Like, it does look like they did nail that where you have, like, you know, different, you know, swishes and flicks of your wand to do, like, different spells that either, like, grab people or throw stuff or launch, like, you know some sort of a projectile or, you know, do all sorts of like combinations. You know, there's a lot of combos yeah. in that. And just like a, you know, a, a good RPG. I mean, they have like, I can't tell if it's like really like a leveling system, but they do have like talent trees and things like mm -hmm. that. Like you'll be able to allocate points to like your stealth or some of your abilities and things like that. That's some of the things that I did notice. So it looks like it's going to be a very story driven um, narrative. So it's not going to be like, it doesn't look like it's going to be like an open world game per se, but like, it'll be very linearly story driven. Um, it, it's uh, it actually sounds a little bit open world, um, but to quick comment too, is like, yeah, it's, it really sounds like you're going to be able to customize 
your your play you know play style it but uh on abilities talents and skills and you know if you want to be a little bit more offensive or defensive you know you'll be able to just kind of cater you know your different spells and and you know i think there's things like potions and and all that uh fun stuff in there uh you'll be able to carry uh cater that and weapons to whatever your play style is or how you want your wizard or witch to uh, be which is you know again that's kind of the rpg root of you know the game mm-hmm. uh but was what was kind of neat and again i don't know how extensive this is but as much as i mentioned they kind of really had to figure out and develop and design like how is hogwarts laid out um they also kind of uh piece together a, a this is sad i don't know the world it's in right the but the area where hogwarts is they built a lot of area that you'll be exploring and and um going to do missions out in the world around hogwarts and what's really cool is uh, i think i think any game that does this is that there's going to be dynamic seasons and weather again to me that just adds to the immersion of any game that's able to do that Mm -hmm. well um they kind of showed a little clip of you know how that's going to work um i'm always hesitant to give too much props to a game that says they're going to do it to actually see it because sometimes it can be pretty lame but it's still pretty cool that they're doing it um but But, yeah you'll be able to explore the the world on a broomstick so yeah there's a a whole bunch of missions again this doesn't mean much to me because it's been years too since i've seen a movie but you'll be able to visit hogsmeade isn't it the isn't that the town you kind of they came in on in that train no uh, i don't see it again i again they kind of talked like it was important and i couldn't remember it's been so long since i watched it it's one of yeah it's one of like a like a neighboring town or something like that i don't i don't remember it super well because i haven't seen the movies in like 10 years but i mean Mm -hmm. one of the things i did want to comment about that um and it's not just broomsticks either i mean you can do stuff like you can ride on like what looks to be like a griffin or something like that one of the things that i really do appreciate about this whole thing is that a lot of this game doesn't look like empty promises mainly because we're seeing a lot of gameplay Mm -hmm. here a ton of gameplay like they showed off the changing seasons thing and it does look really good one of the things that i have was really impressed about is like you can build like a whole like house even like you can build a house you can like set up um a bunch of crafting stations and things like that like there is like crafting components and things like you can make like potions and um, do like herbology and things like that like Mm -hmm. this game is pretty deep even for yeah. like a like a major movie franchise game, like this is a deep looking game. That'd be that'd be a kind of funny if, uh, as I mentioned, I was always more of a Lord of the Rings fan. Is that like if this game is that cool and it's a the game that actually gets me into the Harry Potter world? <laughs> I mean, that'd be hilarious. I mean, I don't have a PlayStation, so I don't know yeah. if I can play this. Um, I don't know if it's coming to PC or not. My guess is yeah, no, uh, but I don't know. You know, I didn't. It was on the say to play and i didn't even think about that right but i mean to go along with like the whole you know selling the whole idea of being in the wizarding world like is the game the game looks gorgeous yeah. <laughs> it does look really really good they definitely did a really good job of selling that atmosphere and that like you are part of you know like it looks gorgeous H- hogwarts looks like how you would probably imagine it looking beyond mm-hmm. just knowing what it looks like from the movies um so it does look like this game is really big it does look like it was a really ambitious project yeah no again it's i'm 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 intrigued to see more of it who knows if i'll ever play it or if i'll ever get into it um but from what they showed it was is impressive and i think any uh any fans that we have listening that like harry potter definitely go check this out you know, I'm yeah. sure, sure there's a lot to like here. Um, 
from a fan's perspective. Right, right. And this is going to be coming out holiday of this year. Yep. At least that's when it's yeah current like when it's currently slated for right. Yep. Like you said, barring any you know delays or anything <laughs> like that, <laughs> it's it's hard to get excited about dates anymore because uh, you usually know, a lot they of games, just get delayed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this looks like it's uh, potentially in pretty good shape. So you know, again, barring any major issues, and I'm also assuming the reason they left it holiday 2022 is it gives them about three months to, you know narrow down like oh hey maybe we do need a couple extra weeks we can you know we haven't set a date yet let's let's push out what our internal release date out a couple weeks so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yes it's uh it's exciting it is um you know what else is exciting starfield i'm excited that was, for a, this game. That was a choppy transition but you know what i'm gonna go with it but yes i liked it um, i liked it Wrapping up sort of the the Hogwarts stuff, but we're going to be moving into a game that I know that you're probably really excited about, and that is Starfield. And a lot of people in our Discord are also very excited about Starfield because they definitely got a little bit buzzing when uh, we we got the information that we are going to be sharing with you now. It is going to be coming to Xbox Series S and X and PC on November the 11th of this year. So 11-11-22. That's a cute little date. I think Todd Howard really likes. He really likes eleven eleven. Yeah, eleven eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It didn't work out as good for him this time with the, uh, you know, Skyrim. It was eleven eleven eleven. But you know, hey, mm-hmm. what can you do? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we got you know a little, um, you know, we're we're we got episode two. Oh, what is this? Episode two of Into the. Uh, Into the Starfield. Um, we got some new information about that. We got um. They just dropped some information like they like they scanned in real world people to try and create that sort of uh, photorealism to try and get the the facial features and mm-hmm. all that in there. Um, they described some of the factions that are going to be in the game and what you can do to join them. So things like the Freestar Collective and kind of gave, you know, they, they have a lot of like concept art in this in this um, in this video that they were uh, that they were demonstrating. Yeah, no, it's um, it was really cool just kind of listening to them talk, and and I obviously since this is episode two of their little into the Starfield, um, you know, we'll probably get more of these like little clips, but yeah, they really dived in as you were mentioning into like a lot of the factions, and they didn't go into a lot of the companions, but they did announce uh, or, or show off Vasco. He's one of your companions. He'll be a robot. Um, so it was again not like a ton of information. But it's stuff that kind of makes me hopeful, especially as someone who's never really, uh, never really played a Bethesda game. I've always started some games like Fallout or some of the Elder Scrolls games, but I never really played them a lot. Um, Mm. This this just makes me more excited because it's kind of, as someone in our Discord said, it kind of reminds me of what Destiny was probably supposed Supposed to be, be, right? Right. (laughs) But um. No, I mean, it, it just minus the live service part. Yeah, it, they just make it sound like they're working really hard to make it like kind of a believable world with uh, interactions with like they're saying a bunch of these factions um, with a lot of your companions. Uh, and, you know, I, and as with a, a lot of Bethesda games, you know, giving the player choice, you know, you, you know, um, there's no like kind of, you know, maybe there's a way they'd like you to play stuff, but like they were talking about how there's uh, the crimson fleet, which are pirates in the game. And they're like, yeah, you could join up with the pirates, but choose to be like a good pirate or, or a neutral pirate. Right? You don't have to be the 
kind of just runs around and murders everybody and steals a bunch of booty. Right. You know, so, um, you know, when they talk about this, it, it kind of gets me excited because if it's kind of what they're promising, um, hopefully they're not a bunch of Peter Molyneux just promising. <laughs> just a bunch everything. of empty promises. Yeah. Um, or just overselling stuff. He was very good at that. Like, oh, he like he's selling you an idea, but realistically what you get is a, a watered down version of whatever that was. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the photo gamut, grammatry, gammatry or grammatry that they, you mentioned, uh, that's been pretty common in a lot of games recently as far as like environments. Um, I remember Battlefront 2, I think, was one of the first ones I noticed that used it. Um, but it's kind of cool that they're doing it to what it sounds like. I don't know if it's the first game. I doubt it's the first game doing it. But what they're doing is, I think, for the first time for Bethesda is they're they're doing it to humans and then trying to, again, trying to make it more immersive as far as using it for NPCs and companions and things like that. So, mm-hmm. So the one thing I am going to just kind of stick on this one, though, in contrast to the game that we have just got done you know in contrast to the game that we were just talking about there's not a lot of there's still not a lot of gameplay mm-hmm. um you know we had an estimate of a, a holiday 2022 date for this hogwarts game and there was a lot of gameplay in it they had a lot to show off 20 minutes worth of video of just hogwarts stuff yeah the Starfield is supposed to be kind of one of their new flagship games. And yet again, we're not seeing a lot of gameplay. This has usually been a pretty big red flag for a lot of games, including Fallout 76, Cyberpunk, Halo Infinite. Like they don't show off a lot of gameplay for a reason, right? So that is one, like I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on the hype train a little <laughs> bit in that. While I am excited for a cool spacefaring adventure, like I guess it would probably be some sort of an RPG-like game. I mean, that's kind of the thing that Bethesda typically does. I do have a little bit of reservations in that we haven't seen a lot and they have a release date. Mm -hmm. So either that release date's going to get pushed back because it's not done yet, or for some reason they're keeping something very close to the chest, and I don't know why. Yeah. See, I just thought like, I mean, to your point, yeah, we, we really haven't gotten any gameplay of it. Um, but my thoughts are like, I'm going to start to worry if whenever they're, whenever Xbox does their E3 or Xbox showcase or whatever happens in May, mm-hmm. June ish, July ish, you know, whenever they decide to start that, uh, if we don't get a good chunk of video and then the following game shows or whatever, you know, like things like, um, uh, what is it the 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 German Gamescom um, or the one that's what's the one over in Japan? I just forgot about the name. But like, like right, if we don't have those game follow show. up shows that ha- at these game shows where we show more and more of these things, then I'd probably start getting worried. For me right now, I guess my expectations are the way it's going is they're probably going to show it at whatever kind of E three showcase event they have in uh, May or June or again, I guess potentially July. Um, and they're going to just kind of start their medium storm media storm then. Uh, Cause I think I'm trying to think if there's any big Microsoft, I'm sure there is a few, but this is probably going to be Microsoft's biggest kind of game release this year uh, or, or holiday season, I should say. So I imagine the, uh, the marketing team is just going to go, you know, crazy once they announce it. So, I mean, I, <clears throat> like I said, I hope so. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think I think uh, Bethesda, you know, bringing in kind of this new IP and trying something different kind of completely like, you know, f- for what we know is something kind of out of the box for them um, is always a good thing. The only thing I, like I said, like I have my reservations because when we don't see gameplay, that's usually a pretty big red flag. I mean, even for Cyberpunk, I mean, we didn't see gameplay until... I think like that year's E3 and it was a very, very scripted gameplay. There was very, very scripted gameplay. So it was one of those like they had a really tight loop or something like that. And it was like basically fake gameplay, so to speak. Um, Come on. You're supposed to blindly go into this knowing it's going to be amazing. So if it's not, you're let down. Right. That's how this this is the way. This is the way. You know, you got to show me the gameplay. Show yeah, me the money. You pre-ordered it already, right? You pre-ordered it, right? Oh, I definitely did not. <laughs> I don't pre-order games anymore. Been burned unless, too many times uh, on that. Unless there's a physical thing coming with it, like something really cool, as I've mentioned before, like my Doom Slayer helmet. I, I generally pretty much, uh, I, I don't really pre-order anymore. Or if I pre-order, it's like, okay, I know I'm going to get this game, and it's like a day or two before. And then it's like, whatever, just so I can do the what is it the pre-download of it you know mm-hmm. since everything's digital now but mm-hmm. yeah. um but speaking of missed expectations we're going to be moving on to our next game <sighs> i know um unfortunately it kind of goes from skeptical to yeah this one's not doing so hot uh this would be a story about gran turismo 7 uh they have just released patch 1.07 and apparently it has taken down the game for an entire day. Um, and when you're playing an always online game, as you can imagine, there's not a whole lot of uh, playing going on while you're playing your always online, while the servers to your always online game go down. So uh, the uh, development team behind this, um, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, I'm so sorry. Uh, Katsunori Yama. Yama, Yamauchi, I think. That might be it. I don't know. Uh, released a statement on the you know, Gran Turismo's website basically addressing what had happened with the um, with the update. And so um, they have also mentioned about how the uh, pricing structure for a lot of their microtransactions is also being addressed. Um, so to kind of get into it a little bit, here's a quote, an excerpt from... Uh, his his letter. He says, immediately before the release of the 1.07 update, we discovered an issue where the game would not start properly, in some cases on product versions of the PS4 and PS5. This was a rare issue that was not seen during tests on the development hardware or the QA sessions prior to the release. But in order to prioritize the safety of the saved data of the users, we decided to interrupt the release of the 1.07 update and to make a 1.08 correctional update. This is the reason for the delay. My sincere apologies for the late report, everyone. So apparently, yeah, they found an issue in 107, and so they had to delay 107 being actually out there until 108 came about, which then they were ready to basically bring the service back online. So um, that is not a good look, but... Um, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. Like if they found something that was really, really broken 
and they released mm-hmm. it out and it sounds like it was going to affect a lot of users as data i'm sure that would have been way more disastrous than in if um if compared to this um that being said though uh they have a lot of my you know microtransactions in the game a lot of people are not super thrilled about that the pricing of it is pretty steep um mm-hmm. and they've adjusted that uh They've adjusted it a bit, and so they kind of addressed that in their letter as well. Um, and I can go into that a little bit here. He says, uh, in GT7, I would like to have users enjoy lots of cars and races, even without microtransactions. Okay. At the same time, the pricing of cars is an important element that conveys their value and rarity. So I do think that it's important for it to be linked with the real-world prices. Yeah. I want to make GT7 a game in which you can enjoy a variety of cars, lots of different ways, and if possible, would like to try to avoid a situation where a player must mechanically keep replaying certain events over and over and over. So he's talking about, you know, grinding mechanics, right? Yeah. I mean, one could argue, then why do you have microtransact? Like, why do you have, like, it's a, it's a, it's a problem that was self-induced, right? Yeah. You don't want people to sit there and grind tokens or something like that over and over and over to buy these cars, yet you want them to have a variety of cars to play. Um, and you're going yeah. to do that by microtransactions, I yeah, guess? You, like, yeah, that's so not, weird. You're not supposed to grind the tracks to earn the in-game currency and get the cars for free, you know, only spending your, your time. You're mm-hmm. supposed to use your real cash money, you know, your hard-earned money. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on this? I'm going to take a little broader is, uh, I dislike any game that isn't purposely like, you know, like something like, uh, an apex or a Fortnite, right. Where that's an online game, right. So it doesn't need an online mode, but I'm, I, I, I'm going to always shit on any game that, you know, like a racing game. Why can't I, you know, people couldn't even just hop in themselves and play with the stuff they had to race a car. They couldn't play the game at all. You know, so if a game uh, doesn't have some sort of like offline mode and always has this always online for you to do anything, even things that don't require you to like play against people, um, you know, it's just I'm always going to shit on a game that, that you know, functions that way. Um, right. I, I think that's that's wrong. Um, I get it's probably a, a form of <clears throat> they probably use it as kind of a form of DRM, you know, especially if there's if there's heavy microtransactions in the game. You know, there's probably. A big reason they do this but you know when i buy a game especially with you know for me thinking in this case of a racing game I, there's no reason i need to connect to the internet especially if i just want to race around with the cars i've earned or bought right you know mm-hmm. save something locally you know this should not be bet. down for i think it was actually by the end of it uh, like 30 or 36 i'm trying to remember what i saw there i think it was 30 hours that this was down you know so it was more than a day mm-hmm. uh so I, I just think that's kind of unacceptable for pretty much any game that isn't specifically like, you know, again, I get it. If it's a multiplayer game, that's and that's all it is, you, you know, you know, if the servers go down. Yeah, you're not going to be able to play your game, but it's a multiplayer game. But right. something in the case of racing or I guess the first one I remember that was a big controversy was what was that SimCity a few years ago? Like, right. You're like, this does not need to be connected to the Internet. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wanted to make one clarification. Um, this is something that I kind of. I'm realizing that I probably worded it pretty poorly, but when I say that they adjusted the pricing on it, they didn't adjust the pricing of the actual cars. They adjusted the pricing on 
basically they adjusted how much you get for the races to buy those cars. They actually made it grindier. They made it worse. <laughs> yes. They actually made it worse because um, they reduced how much you actually get paid out for um per race. So yes, like mm-hmm. I that makes no sense in his letter when he's talking about he doesn't want people to keep playing tracks, same tracks over and over and over. Yeah. Um in a way he they're making kind of right. the way it sounds is they literally are actually kind of trying to force your hand even more into spending real more world money because now you can't even, you know, spend your hard-earned time, free time to go grind out just a bunch of races to earn credit to get these again this is also speaking with um no experience with the game or or how this is all set up i'm only kind of actually i will kind of uh i I was talking to a buddy the other night and we actually chatted about this and he does have gt uh seven and he says the the rage on the internet about the uh the unlock the the grindiness and the unlocking and 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 getting the microtransaction he said is a little overblown um i kind of trust his friend i also think he listens to the podcast so i gotta watch what i say I'm just kidding. Oh, there you go <laughs> no um but he was he was saying it it, it was just overblown. dramatic a little just dramatic but um i mean regardless even with the information i have here if it's if they are reducing how much credits you get in a race i, I still think that's pretty shitty shitty, right well i mean just going over some of the races that they have uh by and large yes they have reduced credits that you've earned across the board um there are two races i think in particular where they did increase how much you gain from them but i mean all you're gonna do then is just make people grind a different race like it's that's just how this that's how this kind of stuff works, right? I mean, like you're going to take the path of least resistance to try and get the cars that you want. So you're going to keep playing the same race that gives you this, the highest amount of dollars for the let's, time you spent doing the race so that you can get what you want. Let's also throw it out there again, no experience with this game or these races, but I guarantee you the races that they, they made that drop or give you less Again, I'm calling credits. I don't know what the in-game currency is. Yeah, the, I don't know. The races that give you less credits now are probably the ones that are easier, you know, yeah, easier so tracks or faster, yeah. right? And the ones where they give you more are the harder ones and the ones that take, you know, 10 minutes to complete the race as opposed to three minutes or something like that, right? So, again, they're probably making it more grindy even though they're giving you more credits. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. probably still pretty shady. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, and this is their, I mean, this would be the justification for having an always online service, right? Is that Mm -hmm. because you want to like deeply ingrain this currency system into how the game functions? If you want to buy new vehicles, new cars to to race around in, you have to sit there and grind your ass off, or you got to pony up some of that dollars that you got so that you can, you know, ride in your new whip. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, What's going to end up happening is that uh, what just happened is that you get review bombed. And that is exactly what happened is that people mm-hmm. have been pissed. And I don't know. I, I think rightly so. I mean, if they're like, I agree. Like, yeah, sometimes, you know, online communities can take it a bit far and they can get a bit dramatic. I'm not yeah. saying like we haven't done that ever. No, never. We've never We've only said nice things about battlefield Game. and halo yeah and, and anthem and anthem google, and google stadium, stadium. Okay, this list is a lot longer than <laughs> we thought. 
Fallout 76 and (laughs) Blizzard game. Okay, I'm going to stop there. uh, No, we never do that. So So I can Uh, understand uh, why the, the review... The, the review score for this game has gotten quite low because people are pretty upset about this, you know, how grindy this game is and how unfun that grind makes the game. Mm-hmm. Totally uh, understandable. When I wrote the notes for this the other day, it was at a Metacritic score of 2.2. I just pulled it up here now. It's at 1.8. So Ouch. It's, uh yeah, I have no clue what it was before. I don't know what the user score was prior to all this going on, uh, but it has... 4,170 negative user. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be a hard one to recover from. Also, to give you kind of the other side of the story, and again, these, uh, we'll call them professionals, I'm using air quotes, but critic reviews, there's not a single negative review, so, and uh, that's at 87. So, yeah. So two different stories there. But again, your critics are not going to go back and update or review bomb. Or if they are, they're probably showing up as user reviews so that whoever hires them are not uh, going to fire them. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have for Gran Turismo. Unfortunately, uh, that game's not doing so hot. However, we're going to we're gonna sandwich this with some good news instead. Yeah, I like this next I bit. bet I bet you were excited about this. I still have yet to play any of these games or even watch the TV series, if that is a hint at what we're about to talk about. But an announcement was made that there is a new Witcher game in the works. What? what? I think we probably said that in the uh, in the intro, so I think that's yeah. kind of been spoiled. Anyway, so, uh, yes, there is a new Witcher game in development. It is going to be the latest and greatest Witcher game. Um, there isn't much. It's a lot of what we got is that uh, we got a cool picture of a uh, what looks to be a helmet with some ears and some glowing red eyes. You got to tell me what this is because I have no idea what this is. And all it says is a new saga begins. Yeah. So uh, it's actually funny. We kind of already knew there was a game in development. I think it was one of the earning calls. They was kind of how it came out. They had to mention they were working on us. Um, But yeah, no, this is, uh, they have no official title for it. I think it's kind of unofficially, you know, Witcher four, um, my thoughts are is it's probably not going to be about Geralt. Um, there is a chance, I guess I would guess that it might be about Siri. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the what you're seeing in the picture is like the Witcher medallion. Um, it's got some kind of magical properties. But the thing I was actually reading today, I didn't pick this up uh, as I was reading the article yesterday when the news broke, is uh, people, the, the eagle-eyed people of the internet, as we all know, there's plenty of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they spied that it, it looks very much like a cat. Um, so it was kind of confirmed. I forget who it was. I couldn't find the tweet. I saw it earlier today. I couldn't find it again to, to reference it here, but somebody that works at CD project red confirmed to somebody that asked on Twitter, um, if that was a cat or I think more specifically, I think it's a lynx. Um, so, uh, and he said, yes. So there's a very good chance that, uh, this will actually have to do with something, something to do with the school of the cat, which are, there's different schools with cultures. Um, right. Um, which again could mean, um, you know, something that involves Siri. Um, she was kind of one of the main ish characters of the, the show and the books and the previous games. So, gotcha. Yeah. So like exciting the, news the Apple there. Assistant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Siri. Got it. 
but no, you should definitely, you should definitely play the games. Uh, read. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm. I'd like to think I'm a decent Witcher fan, but I've never played Witcher one and two, or I think there's other smaller games. I've only ever played Witcher three, and I also was realizing as I was reading this, I need to go back and play the DLC, which are supposed to be awesome. Um, I do have them, just haven't gotten around to them. But you, you should play Witcher three. You yourself a Witcher yeah. fan. You should you should play Witcher three. It's a ton of fun. Um, it's so good. Uh, I think it's one of the first open world RPGs that takes a ton of time to play that I've I've actually beaten in a long time. Um, wow. Yeah, I think I had 104 or 124 hours. I don't know something. I know it's a big 20 hour difference, but um, had a lot of time into it, and uh, it, it's definitely worth it. The books are really cool. The show, again, I've said this before. I've I'm catching up on a ton of shows right now, so I actually have not seen season two of The Witcher yet. Um, again, mixed things there, so I don't have a personal opinion on that one yet. Try not to read into or form opinions before I get to watch it. But yeah, you should definitely get into the Witcher universe if you like fantasy. It's a ton of fun. Uh, it's really cool. And that's not all. We've got a little bit more information here. Oh, that's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, at least we got some information regarding what they may not do, and that is make this an Epic Game Store exclusive. Which is good. I mean, that's okay. Sweet. I'm happy but why did me. they come out and say that? Because they're using Unreal Engine 5. <laughs> that is what is happening, yes. Yep. I think this is a big move. I'm not super familiar with Red Engine. Um, I believe most or all of the CD Projekt Red games have been developed on the Red Engine, I believe, which is an in-house engine. Mm -hmm. um, but they're one of the many studios now moving to a third-party engine, in this case, Unreal Engine 5. Uh, so... That could be exciting. Again, it, it could also be a little bit of insight into, as we obviously know, some of the troubled development of CD or Cyberpunk uh, 2077. So um, we'll see. I, that's, I, I, I've, I've always been one of those people that have kind of argued and seen some pros and cons. That I know I've already, I think a long time ago when we discussed it, um, argued there could be an upside and a good reason to EA pushing to use Frostbite you know, all their studios using frostbite, uh, the execution and how they did it, I think was what was done poorly. <laughs> so they had no support. I mean, that was a big yeah. reason too, is that, you know, you had teams who are developing in, um, you know, who are developing here in the U S and Canada. And I believe the dice or the, uh, the frostbite engine team is, oh God, I don't know what country they're based out of, but it's somewhere yeah, in Europe. They? Um, I don't know if that's Norway or if it was, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember where the Frostbite engine team is from. Trying to look it up here. But you have support issues with that, and they're trying to work on their own stuff. So I think uh, using an engine that is widely popular, not just popular, but very well supported, um, yeah. something like Unreal Engine 5 sounds like a good idea for a lot of use cases. And not only that, but I mean, like if you do have a team of really... Um, really good engineers. I mean, Unreal Engine 5, you can dig into the code for Unreal Engine 5 and modify it as you need. Like, it yeah. is, you know, it is modifiable, so you can, you know, tweak it to how you need, if you need a little bit of extra horsepower in some area, or if you need a, a feature that isn't there, you can do that. So that is what's nice about how that engine is supported. DICE is located in Sweden. But yeah, no, I think as far as... Sweden. Yeah. As EA, yeah, that was my argument and why I always said they 
it was poor execution. Had they kind of dumped the money into building out essentially an Epic Games, you know, you just make dice, the engine company. I mean, you could probably split it between the people who still want to make Battlefield and the people who want to work on the engine. But yeah, had they basically tried to make it essentially a third party product like Unreal Engine and had a huge support team, um, I think it could have been a, a good decision. But that didn't happen, yeah. as we saw with Anthem, because uh, if it was to believed uh, via the Jason Schreier article, uh, I think it was FIFA got all the support and Bioware got nothing, you know, and that's where a lot of the struggles and problems came with uh, Anthem. Right. You know, and the, the, the poor development of that game. And I think there's, I mean, there's a, there's a good, uh, I mean, I think there's a, a good reason to start commercializing your internal engines. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of, it doesn't seem like there's really a lot of, um, not a lot of technology that seems to be hidden from anybody else. And everybody kind of knows some trade secrets, maybe not all of them, but in general, I think a lot of game developers kind of know how to do one thing or another thing that other game developers are doing. And so they can utilize, um, I, I think trying to sell your engine is a really good idea. Honestly, I really wish that, um, it would make their engine available because I would love to work with it. Mm-hmm. That would be sweet. But they used to have, a same with source. If source two, yeah, same with source two, but, um, I think that's only still accessible through the hammer editor. Yeah. I think, I don't honestly know that if I thought source it, two was available. What are we on? Id six? I thought it's Id like five. Id tech, like yeah, it's like Id tech five or six. Editor. But yeah, no, I, yeah. Again, I think I think if EA had done that and kind of essentially made their own internal, again, it would have been their own product, but kind of like that almost third party engine, mm-hmm. and then had and then were able to build that to support the multiple different games they use um, and support those teams. I, again, that's where my argument was. That would have been a good idea. Mm-hmm. And then they also could have sold it out potentially, like Unreal Engine too. But that's or, or the, the Cry engine, right? I mean, Crytek, Cry yeah, they yeah. made they made their engine available. Yeah. No, no, it's exciting. It um, is exciting. Are you? Uh, I'm. Yeah. Other than that, we don't really have any more information about The Witcher. Unfortunately, uh, we just yep. know that it's coming. So be on the lookout for that. Maybe it'll show up at uh, one of the trade shows coming up in the next few months. Yep. Um, so moving on, we have, uh, we are diverting a little bit from games. Um, actually, no, we're not. I'm going to, we're going to jump into the one big, uh, piece of news that's game specific related that I think we're both pretty excited about. That's Hell Let Loose, one of our favorite (laughs) games currently to date. Um, and one game we play fairly often with one Mm -hmm. another. If you're, if you jump in on our discord, you can join with us and we can have good times in world war two. But Hell Let Loose is getting up, uh, getting an update, update number twelve to be more precise. Um, and this looks uh, pretty solid. So so far, what we have been, what has been revealed is that there's going to be a new map um, taking place during the uh, Allied invasion of Germany. I believe the map is called Rimagen. Um, they have a cool screenshot here. Uh, I know that Couple this is a po- them, yeah. I know that this is a podcast, and you cannot see the screenshot but i think i shared it out on twitter so if you're not oh, following you? us here's a good time uh, a good reminder they rebuilt uh one of the big like castle looking bridges one yeah. of those that that big bridge that kind of um 
rail one of the big railway bridges and it's got like cool like uh trenches and stuff like that on one side i mean it looks like this map looks fantastic i like how they also included the um they also included like uh like a screenshot in game and what it looks like in real life Mm -hmm. i think that's so cool like they took like old like black and white photos from the time period and yeah that's that's one of the cool things about hell let loose in their map design obviously it's a video game Mm -hmm. um and they're not gonna do everything one-to-one but that pretty much every map in the game has uh started out as a topical whatever they've taken like a topical graph map or whatever and they've designed the maps that way so you know, and a lot of the locations in those areas, you know, like with the, you know, what is it, like Omaha Beach and, and, you know, uh, Hurtgen Farce, like a lot of those things are, again, real life locations mm-hmm. that they kind of turn back in time and then obviously sprinkled their own, you know, it's a video game. So you're going to modify some stuff. But, um, but yeah, this is kind of based on this area in uh, Germany and this bridge that was fought over uh, late in World War II. And I am both like, excited and scared to play this new map it's gonna be a freaking <laughs> meat, meat grinder. grinder on the bridge yeah those of you that have played this game or are familiar with this game uh th- you know there's rivers and and streams and things like that in the game but there's usually multiple ways across and granted this is still in development and they didn't give a lot of information but right now the bridge is essentially the middle point in the map and it appears right now it's the only way to kind of essentially move into the enemy territory. I guess right. which team you are. So it's going to be just a big choke point that is just going to like. And not yeah. just that they have, uh, they've set one of the, one of the capture points to be the middle of the bridge. Yeah. Can you imagine how much of a nightmare that's going to be to try and catch that the, the middle point, the middle <laughs> capture. And it's, it's just like, capture. it's, it's just going to be very, interesting to see how this plays again it's it's i'm I've, i'm again excited and scared i i'm oh I'm it's excited. gonna be interesting i'm yeah. excited because usually with these big updates like this they also come with like you know they might have like new sounds or models for something mm-hmm. or they might have uh of course a lot of bug fixes they might have some like yep. system tweaks and all that like every time you know the team behind this game releases a big update it is always just loved like i've loved yeah. every single one of these updates because they just do such a good job with releasing these yeah i'm, I'm hoping too that uh, as they get closer to launch we'll obviously learn more and more of the other things they're going to be hopefully adding or updating um something that they have been doing slowly over the last couple months is even updating some of the older maps right um mm-hmm. they're I don't follow as closely, but I did watch a video the other day of some of the maps we've played. Uh, I think Utah Beach was one of them. They've kind of moved some of the points around and and uh, some of the areas that are a little harder to reach because like a ton of barbed wire, you know, they'd remove some. Right. So like they are slowly going through and not only, you know, adding to the it, it almost feels a little it's not live service. It's just to, it's good to know that they're constantly improving the game. Um, and making small adjustments, uh, you know, to maps and things like that, uh, you know, so if there are problem areas, hopefully, you know, I'm sure not all their changes are perfect, but, uh, you know, hopefully that, you know, at some point the maps are only going to get, you know, better, you know, and mm-hmm. they're getting slightly tweaked. And, and, uh, I know one thing they talked about, uh, way back was, you know, they, you know, they built, uh, I think it was Stalingrad and Kursk and, and some of the stuff they learned while building those maps, they went back and changed again, it's kind of where, 
kicked off changing some of the older maps, kind of updating them to um, right. kind of current uh, standards and, and methods of designing a map, especially mm-hmm. since this game has been in development for four or five years. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, so it's officially released, but it was in right. It was an early access, access. Like three years. It was an early access since like 2018, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. In this is one of those games that we kind of go to as kind of one of those like, uh, one of those like good examples of early access. Yeah, because they've done such an incredible job of maintaining this game and like keeping extra content coming and fixing things and making mm-hmm. the game. And the game is just fun on its own, right? Like they they had just such a solid design with this game. Yep. When it came out to early access, it's just yeah, it's good. You should buy it. Buy it right now. And come, come play, with, play us. with us. Yep. I'm always looking for new people to play with. Yep. Join our Discord. Join Campfire Squad. That's what that's what we're that's what we're all about. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I did want to mention before we move on. Were, we, were you done there? Yes. The hell this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, for anybody that might be buying this and playing this on console, they are uh, again. I, I think another good thing for you know some props to this team is um, they as of last. Did, did, I forget. Did console launch the same time as PC last year? Like I'm trying to remember what the timeline. Anyways, this game is also out on PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X. Um, and I know console players have been not too terribly happy with the rate at which improvements and things uh, are coming to the console. Uh, they they did put out an update alongside with this one that they are working towards bringing the console version up to parity with the PC version. Um, their goal, hopefully, over in the next year is to bring that up to matching with the PC so they can kind of just develop the game together Um I think it was last week we talked about Elite Dangerous found it hard to do that. So obviously, you know, this is it's it's not easy to keep uh, two separate uh, code bases or kind of two separate platforms like this. So, um, you know, the fact that this is out on those consoles and right now they are trying to work really hard to uh, bring parity to consoles, uh, you know, it's it's pretty awesome. So, again, I suggest you play it on PC if you can. But uh, if you can't go pick it up on on console, it's a good time. Absolutely. All right, so that will conclude our games section of the episode. Um, we're going to start moving into some of the, like the publishers and studios here. Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about first, we don't have to go into super big depth with this, but uh, Midnight Society, this was the studio that was founded by Dr. Disrespect, the, uh, the influencer streamer on YouTube, uh, Twitch lawsuiter. I don't know if that's a proper word for it. The guy who's suing Twitch. It is now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they uh, are focusing their efforts on making PvP games because that's what Dr. Disrespect, of course, is pretty famous for, is playing a lot of PvP-based games, notably things like Warzone. Um, however, in he, he's coming under fire a little bit, or at least the studio is, kind of, is coming under fire a little bit because they have decided that they're going to be selling these um, founder access passes for the game that they are making that we don't know really much about at all um, in the form of NFTs. Um, And I think, you know, this, again, this is kind of that knee jerk reaction that when a lot of uh, gamer folks hear NFTs, they kind of think, "Uh, that's not going to be good. And I mean, I I don't disagree, but um, yeah. So he's going to be selling 10,000 founder access passes in the form of NFTs at the cost of a, low low price of $50 a pop um so you'll be 
getting it. It's basically paying $50 to get into early access when it's available. And then you'll have access to, you know, various discord channels. And I guess they're selling the, like, this is what was kind of weird because originally they were talking about how they really wanted to be open and transparent about the design of their game and then get a lot of feedback, a lot of back and forth between the developers and the people who are going to be playing the game frequently, especially those who get in on early access. But really what they're doing is they're selling out the ability to voice your opinion on these, on these big decisions. <laughs> but uh, supposedly they're, you know, you can vote on key design decisions in these private discord channels. Um, supposedly, you know, they're not burning down the environment with farming their NFTs or anything like that. So I guess that's a good thing or whatever. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're involving a bunch of NFTs with a, with a, I guess an early access pass to a game that doesn't really exist yet. So that's where a lot of people are kind of getting rubbed the wrong way. It's like, why are you selling me something that doesn't exist? Like yeah. you're selling me something that doesn't exist in the form of an NFT, which is even more of a, like a, ugh, you know what I mean? So like, as I've said with most times that a game studio or publisher has kind of said they want to do something with NFTs. I still don't get, we're solving something we're, using NFTs to solve a problem that's already been solved. Um, but at least this is, a, I'd say, a little bit more unique way of doing it instead of just tying it to a, a skin like Ubisoft Quartz or something did. Um, but it is common for NFTs to be sold in this fashion to allow uh, exclusive access to things like Discord channels or being able to vote on stuff. It's actually a pretty common thing um, to do with crypto or NFTs in that, that world, um, the crypto and NFT and blockchain world. So... Uh, it's not a huge surprise and it's, I guess, at least nice to see it's being used that way instead of just here's a cosmetic. Um, I was a little surprised that there wasn't at least right now, or at least as of, of researching, this was there wasn't as big of a backlash compared to things like team 17's uh, oh, yeah. meta worms or yeah. Ubisoft quartz um, or a few of the other things, uh, companies that have done stuff. Now I, that could be two reasons. There's no game out yet. Um, uh, I, I know Dr. Disrespect was pretty popular influencer, but Midnight so Society and Dr. Disrespect in the sense of them all working on this stuff together uh, to me are not like some, they're not, let's say they're not popular, right? They're not right now. They don't have anything, right? There's they no games. Anything, there's yeah. no history. There's nothing. So I'm guessing their following isn't as big. Um, and maybe the Twitter mob didn't feel like setting their sights on small fish right now when there's bigger fish to fry. Um, uh, but uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, again, still with the whole unsure why you're using an NFT for something here. Um, I'm I'm wondering if the big reason why, as you mentioned, they wanted this to be kind of open, you know, to get the whole idea is literally from day one. People are supposed to be able to play this, provide feedback, play test again, you know, all that that fun stuff. Um, I'm wondering if doing this 10,000 uh, issuing 10,000 founder access pass and charging a dollar amount is their way of kind of sifting out all the noise, you know, blocking out like, right. Yeah. You're going to get the people that really care in theory uh, to do, the, you know, to come in and join and voice their opinion, you know, play test, you know, instead of just getting random Joe to hop in thinking they're going to play the next best, multiplayer game realize it's only been in development six months and it's just bare bones and then they're going to shit on it and uh, tell all their friends about it right if you're if you're spending fifty dollars and trying to get one of ten thousand 
access uh, founders access passes you're probably again a little more invested you understand what's going on in theory i know that's not always the case but i'm wondering right. if that's why they went that route no i mean that's i think that's exactly why they're going this route because i mean just the the stuff that you have to go through to even get a founders pass it's not like you just they just make 10,000 of them available and you just get to buy one it's they're making 10,000 available and they're being very selective as to who can buy these yep so there's actually um, an application process that you have to go through to even get the chance to buy it again seems really weird and in a you know it's just I guess so, it's not really weird it's just it's it's very it's a very different approach to how you would do things like beta testing or like close you know a closed sort of testing environment you know like we've had yep. things in the past like how halo did their test flights and it was that that drove a lot of decisions to how um to give a to give the feedback for the features that were being worked on supposedly what they're going with this is that they are trying to you know get a bunch of people who are very active in the community of course, if they're content creators, then they're going to, of course, get their special treatment and they're going to be in getting in those involved. Um, um, you're going to be. Uh, it's going to be based on how long you've been a part of the community in general. So it's being exclusive to being able to buy something to get into the place that you can voice your feedback which is yeah. suspicious like it's not sus okay not suspicious yeah like i said it's kind of weird it's weird and i don't really well, buy I, into it i could tell you this it triggered my curiosity especially since i'm in the crypto nft blockchain world so right um i actually went through the applic well the start of i guess this application right really it was just a typical sign up uh, connect a couple of your social accounts answer a few questions and yeah, so I'm signed up. I don't know. We'll see if gotcha. I get the chance to we'll see if I get the chance to right. uh, buy one of these access passes. Um, yeah. So the again, cynical side of me says eh, they're just trying to pull in some extra funding. Like, yeah, it, it, it's yeah, half a million, right? That's what it'd be if uh, if they sell all ten thousand. Um, the unique thing I do I will throw out there is um, again you. You don't need NFTs to do this, but it is kind of one of the arguments for using NFTs is things like this is um, everything's going to kind of be associated with that NFT, right? Your account. So let's say uh, you buy it, you participate for a month or a year or two years, and then you all of a sudden like, I hate this game or I'm done with this. You can sell that NFT and everything with that was associated with your account, any XP, any um, unlocks or um, uh, cosmetics, if they go that route, are going to be associated with that. So you could sell that off and somebody could buy that from you, which they actually do call out in in their announcement here is that initially there's going to be a 30-day lockdown period. So you can't just you know buy and flip this at least immediately. You have to hold it for, for 30 days. So, But I'm curious how something like that would hold its value. I mean, like, it, it'll hold its value as, like, so is it going to be one of those things that, like, once you go through the founder's application process and you're selected to, you know, to pay one of these $50 tokens and then you just go right and sell said token? I mean, they say that there's a 30-day lockdown period. But, I mean, after 30 days, I mean, that's not enough to make the game, like, yeah. to make any big impact on the game. So then you just go and sell it to a bunch of random 
people who want to get in on this madness just decide, oh, yeah, like, I didn't need to go through the application process. I just bought this dude's NFT. So now I get to be part of the, the development crew. It just seems so mm-hmm. stupid. Like, it seems kind it's, of it's, goofy. It's definitely, again, I think it's where it's kind of triggered my curiosity is it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how all of that pans out because they are going to be connecting these NFTs will be available, the secondary market. Uh, via OpenSea, which is a very popular NFT platform for for selling NFTs. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's not like they're doing some regular Joe Schmo whatever platform they're using OpenSea. But it's going to be yeah interesting to see if there's any sort of like, you know, if they sell out, and then if there are is enough drive there from people that they want this, if or it could just die right, or they don't sell out right. So it yeah. could be like. You know, anybody that is trying to, you know, flip this. That's one of the questions uh, uh, during the application is, are, are you going to sell this? And uh, it's funny. It's a yes or no. Um, but they before there was another question that had a text box. And I actually, I forget what answer I picked for the, the yes or no, you'll sell it. But in the text box above, I was I, I added to it. I was like, for question 18, you should have a maybe. Because if I actually am able to get a hold of one of these and I start participating and I just don't like this at all, of course I'm going to sell it. But if I like it, I'm going to continue it and continue to provide and I'm not going to sell it. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Just to see how this all pans out, see if it's just a, uh, a yeah. success or if it's just going to flop. Um, it's going to be interesting. Again, a big reason why I kind of, let's see if I get selected. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I think it's, it just seems kind of silly to me. Like it just seems like it's cashing out on a, on a fad rather than just like actually trying to produce something tangible. Rich, I know you're big in the competitive scene. So if I get a hold of one of these NFTs, I'll hold on to it long enough until you're like, I want it and then I'll sell it to you. Yeah. Depending on what the supply and demand is for one of those though. Um, you know, if, if it's, it's, if it's pretty low, I'll sell it maybe to you for that price or maybe for the original 50. But if it's a couple thousand, you know, I'll be selling it. Oh to you yeah. Well, thousand. well, thank you. Thank you. I'll be sure to, I'll be sure to remember that when I'm trying to buy like, you know, my multi-thousand dollar star citizenships and that yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like we said, the NFT thing is going to be kind of a kind of kind of a big thing this year that's what everybody that's the big buzzword of 2022 all right so moving on from that um this was something i was a little bit bummed about actually is that uh i've been waiting for a perfect dark sequel for a really long time i love love perfect dark didn't really like perfect dark zero so i don't count that as a sequel so (laughs) when i found out that you know there is a team that is actually building a new perfect dark game i was actually pretty excited until this news came about where we found out that um, a lot of people are just leaving the studio and they are having turnover problems. Yeah, it's funny, too, because the what we thought might be good news, I think it was last fall, that Crystal Dynamics was being brought on to help out, which, again, mm-hmm. is not uncommon. I think we no. said it at the time when we talked about it. It's like, oh, cool. Like, they're great developers. Right. This, it's this like certain affinity. Better. Right, it's like certain affinity coming to help out three four three or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right. Like this, yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, you're just gonna build more cool shit. Right. Um, but that might not be the case. No, it just sounds like they probably just need help building it. Period. Because um, supposedly they've probably lost about thirty six people, including their lead level designer, principal world builder, systems engineers, writers. Um. Yeah, it's just it's. 
it seems like a lot of high level people have left and it's it's like high level people and it just sounds like more i guess you could say senior level roles maybe not like high like c like not c level like as in like capital letter c but like um which is funny because those are probably what it sounds like the people that need to go (laughs) yeah i mean that's usually like if there's one you know if there's a set of people who usually have the you could probably point the finger to. It's usually I, up. I've, it's usually up the chain. Yeah, I've said it here. I've 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 uh, I've called them out. You know, Bonnie Ross, Kiki Wolfkill, and Frank O'Connor. I don't know if Frank O'Connor is a C level though. Anyways, no, I whatever. don't think so. Those three people, three four three, need I to go. He was like a creative director or something like that. He's pretty high up, but he's yeah. one, those people are. I think the three main people running three four three over there. And they 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 need to go. But anyways, yeah. Um, no, this is. This is crazy too because this was a, uh, I think one of the first, if you remember, qu- supposed to be quad A developers. Right. Yeah. The yeah they added in a whole other A to it. Yeah. A whole extra, awesome to it. Yeah. Well, supposedly, um, people were citing that there's just a, a a lack of creative creative autonomy, and that just the development process is being really really slow, and that's why people are leaving. Um. And of course, as you have lots of people leaving in mass like this, yeah, it's going to slow down the game even more. I mean, it's going to mm-hmm. get harder to get things done. So, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, this is this this bummed me out a little bit. I was really excited for a new Perfect Dark game, but it sounds like there are problem there are internal problems that are leading to a slowdown of Perfect Dark's development. It's it's going to be interesting too, because I remember seeing. I don't know if they were. There wasn't a lot of information there, so I don't think we ever talked about it, but I think there were rumors that Perfect Dark would be shown this year at whatever mm-hmm. E3 type event that might. So it's going to be interesting if we still get that. It'll be interesting to see really, I guess, how far out the development is on this because it was two years ago, I think, when it was announced. Yeah, I think that's or when show, they had like shown a, off. It was and, shown and, at E3 and like a like a 10 second teaser or something like that. Yeah. And the initiative I think was formed in 2018, I believe it was. So and again, it takes time to build a studio and get talent and, you know, come up with something, right? I get that, but like yeah, it's it's just going to be really interesting to follow this story and see what's up with Perfect Dark because uh you know, I was definitely interested in in what the initiative was making as well. And again, excited when crystal dynamics was brought on board to help out. Although again, sounds like it was just help fill the seats <laughs> and continue development. Uh, if they're only down to a few people. So, yep. So that's a bummer. Um, in other studio news, we got uh, Haven studios has been acquired by Sony. Um, did this come as a shock to you at all? Uh, this is a uh, Jade Raymond's stu- Jade Raymond's studio. We know her from, uh, the Google Stadia platform, and um, uh, Assassin's Creed, she and Assassin's. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, I'd like. I, I think at this point, I'm kind of numb to acquisitions. Uh, so no, it, it. I'll say the the way it's kind of surprised me was, uh, Haven. You know, Studio is brand new. They were, I think, you know, like last summer, I think is when they made their kind of announcement that they're making a game. Yep. Um, they did say they were partnering with Sony at the time to make a PlayStation five, uh, exclusive game. Um, but it, it was kind of a surprise that Sony went out on a limb and bought a studio that has, 
again, a lot of talent, no portfolio, not, not, but no portfolio, right? Yeah. No, you know, so it, it really sounded like they are very impressed with what the game, the game that they're working on that Haven studio is working on. Uh, and it, it sounds from what I was reading is that, uh, Haven studio, which this is good news. If it's true is, has been knocking it out of the park, you know, like I think hitting things like internal milestones before the, you know, they're supposed to hit it. And I, I think any company where you have, you know, you're hitting milestones before your estimated, you know, dates, anybody's going to ha- be happy. So I think Sony, this might've been what, you know, kind of triggered Sony to, you know, pull the trigger and, and buy the studio. But mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but it was, you know, it was kind of uh, interesting to see them, Sony pull the trigger on. on I mean, do you up. think that, I mean, we talked about it over the last couple I think over the last couple of episodes, we've talked about how Sony has been kind of gobbling up studios that have experience and live services and things like that. Do you think that with Jade Raymond's experience with Stadia, that they're leveraging that as well and maybe even more so than anything else? They could, uh, but the kind of maybe more interesting uh, uh, kind of thing, uh, kind of association, I guess we could make is that Haven Studio is making a live service game. Mm-hmm. And Bungie was purchased to help make live uh, services. Yeah. Make, you know, help obviously get money from Sony to help make their own games, but also help Sony's studios build live service games. So, uh, you know, I, again, I mean, yeah, Jade Raymond worked on uh, uh, over at Google Stadia, so I, I'm sure she, she has some some expertise there. Oh, of course, uh, on, yeah, uh, on that uh, live service and kind of streaming stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, Sony is probably trying to gobble up a couple of those studios that are familiar with live service and and can make it happen. Uh, yeah, I think uh, my my bet, if I were to hedge my bets, it would be more so the live service thing, mainly because, like you said, the there's no portfolio. <laughs> like yeah. I'm sure that they're making some cool. Maybe they have some like really cool tech or something like that. You know that was leveraged from the knowledge of Google Stadia's platform and all that to make this live service game, and that's why they're trying to partner up with Sony. I mean, live services are you know whatever, but I'm uh, interested to follow this along to see where they go. I mean, I mean, right now we're living in a time where studios are being bought out like monopoly properties, so. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see who puts the hotels up first. Yeah, it just needs to stop. Again, oh, I'm God. always, I'm always, in a way, as a, as we've said before, I'm always happy if it's a studio that it just makes it easier for them to know that they aren't living like paycheck to paycheck and can kind of you know build out their whatever creative dreams they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's always the scary side of well the big well the big three Microsoft and Sony are buying up all these studios and then if you get the wrong creative person in charge that comes in and now starts telling them what they're making and what they should be doing and then it's like oh, okay that's kind of a scary future potentially for some studios so mm-hmm. yeah man we've talked about that at length yeah. all right so uh, moving on we're gonna talk about a little bit about some tech that is on the horizon. Um, one thing is that uh, we found out that xCloud is going to be available on the Steam Deck. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I don't think we could uh, say too much about xCloud. I mean, I think you've had a little bit of experience with xCloud, but for the most part, we don't really use it that much. Um, but, I mean, that could give access to a lot of um, 
Game Pass library stuff on your Steam Deck. So if you have yep. Game Pass, you could probably utilize Xbox or X Cloud rather to uh, not play. this. I think that's going to be the interesting thing because they're not the same library. No. Like obviously, if you buy if you have um, the ultimate. Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, yeah, yes. you'll be able. Yeah, but um, again, not every game on there is streamable. Right. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if that if that connection is ever made where it's just like, yeah, the game the entire Game Pass library is streamable. But I, I think this is a good um, I mean, that's kind of the cool thing. It's one of the reasons we've always hoped that Game Pass would come to the Nintendo Switch. It's a great, you know, it's a great device to be able to stream games to where the, you know, the Steam Deck, you know, is, you know, it's going to be a great mobile platform and being able to stream games to it. Um, it's just this, another good use of streaming and the device itself for mobile gaming. So uh, it, it'll be exciting. Um, and the fact that it is Microsoft did help kind of implement it and get it working uh, should mean there's going to be a little, you know, hopefully more features or feature rich experience in the future, maybe an app or something built right into the, I don't know what the steam deck. OS is that just steam OS? Steam, yep. It'll be steam OS. Yeah. Yep. So. Or it is steam OS. Yep. I kind of took a look at the instructions on how to get this work. It isn't just kind of an easy kind of download and play type thing. Um, there, the, instructions to get edge on there and working with xcloud is uh a little bit more intricate than that but uh it didn't look too too bad so if you're a little technically savvy and you're okay kind of poking around some system stuff on your device you should be able to get it up and running yeah doesn't sound like it's going to be too bad and i mean i know that steam deck is doing everything that they can to make compatibility work for everything across the board so they're really you, trying to push that mobile gaming platform did you pre-order one yet i did not know i ain't got that ah uh, part of me really wants to but part of me is like would i ever actually use it probably yeah. about as much as i use my switch which is when i go on trips <laughs> that's kind of kind of why i did the switch because you know, the Steam Deck, um, it's going to be, you know, some of your Steam library. And it's like, well, if I'm going to play Steam, I'm going to do it on my PC. Mm. Or like the Switch. I mean, yeah, you can hack and, you know, there's probably ROMs and stuff out there. But like, it's easier to just play Zelda or Mario on the Switch, right? You can't, you know, that's not in Steam. You know, I can't just right, do I it can't right on Right, I can't just do PC. that. Yeah. So that's kind of why I was like, oh, I'll get that instead of throw some money at the steam deck i mean if it comes down in price or i get rich or something it is you know know, it is a very impressive piece (laughs) of hardware from the sounds of things um here you go i'll buy one whenever i get bored with the midnight society game and i sell my nft (laughs) there you go you can sell your (laughs) nft to buy your steam deck If you get selected to buy one of those if I get premium NFTs, yes, and there's a market after, yeah, and if and there's people, a secondary market for that NFT, I was gonna see uh, if people actually want to buy that. I can. That would be the one thing I would imagine is that you know you buy those NFTs and they become worthless the second the game comes out. I, it's I think really going to be dependent on the success of the game and Midnight you know Society and how they yeah. go about the community. Uh, mm-hmm. contribution but um but i mean speaking of interesting tech uh ubisoft has got their eyes set on cloud computing um so they have revealed that they have some some tech um that they have announced called uh ubisoft scaler um i think uh part of me thinks that this is kind of to compete this is something that they're trying to utilize to compete with like 
a lot of Amazon's cloud computing. Um, they're what they claim is that uh, games using uh, this is from Ubisoft and a press release, quote, games using Ubisoft Scaler can use a virtually unlimited amount of computing power and thus run anything from virtual worlds of unprecedented scale and depth to vastly detailed simulations that wouldn't be possible otherwise. Sounds like a lot of marketing speak for it can compute a lot of things. Yep. Um, other than that, there's not, I mean, there, there wasn't a whole lot to go off of here. I mean, they were just, it was a big marketing video about mm-hmm. cloud computing. You know, they have some new cloud computing tech. They're utilizing microservices, which is like, okay, I mean, welcome aboard. A lot of us have been doing yeah. that for a while. So those of um, you, yeah, using Amazon or Azure or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like my, I'm curious why they decided to go with developing their own cloud system rather than utilizing something like yeah like an amazon or an azure if they really just want to try and be competitive in that space i don't know what are your thoughts i don't i don't really know a lot about like designing and developing cloud computing but potentially if there was ever a need to make decisions based on video games like making specific decisions on how you you set this up or or you know you, you do this or that for a video game is obviously definitely different than use you know cloud computing for some sort of business software right so there could be mm-hmm. a difference you know there uh but yeah it, it's the the video was kind of like okay you can do all the, like i wish they showed something some sort of an example other than just some balls on a map and then saying, well, with computing, you can make it big. All I could, I was, just, you know, being the asshole I am, uh, all I was sitting through thinking through, uh, thinking about while the, uh, while watching this video, apparently I can't talk all of a sudden. Um, what I was thinking while I was watching this video was uh, like, great. Now they can just, add, you know, make bigger worlds filled with more points of interest. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Know? I was, I was just about to say that. Yeah. They can make their open worlds even more open or. Yeah. It just more, just, garbage checklist stuff you know to do um but yeah i mean to me it's it's i want to see how they're going to utilize it um how is it going to make the gaming experience better uh outside of making bigger worlds to put more points of interest in you know Mm -hmm. Uh, so hopefully they go into more detail soon you know a good example that never actually happened of cloud computing that would have been cool if it functioned the way it was demoed uh, if you remember Crackdown 3 way back, oh God, that was like five years ago. Remember the physics destruction and how that was all going to be cloud right. computing? Yeah. You know, like if they showed something like that off, but maybe they kind of hesitated because uh, Crackdown 3, when it did finally launch, uh, took a lot of flack for the fact that like their little multiplayer mode where was the only place that this level of destruction was at uh, was also really shitty because it was just, it didn't live up to the hype and what was shown or demoed a few years earlier. It was, Mm -hmm. it was a really dumb multiplayer and the destruction was not that great. Right. And I mean, likewise, the, uh, even with this announcement, they haven't really stated that they're going to be tying this into any of their existing games or any of their existing IPs rather. Um, come on. It's, it's going to be every, you know, I know it's going to, it's Ubisoft. So it'll be every game, but it'll, you know, we don't know if this is going to be revealed with like a, an existing IP or a new one. I think it's supposed to be. Um, I wonder if like, um, I'm revolving to think, is around it, a new IP for this stuff, if, but 
is it, it's massive entertainment, isn't that? They're uh, the guys who did the division, and I think are doing the new Avatar game. Yeah, that's them. I'm wondering if this was either something. I wonder if this was something developed alongside of, you know, the needs of massive entertainment and, you know, obviously probably like any future division games, but it'd be interesting if this was used in avatar, the new game coming out. That'd Cause be I mean, a, if you think Pandora, Pandora would be is a, like, it's like the biggest of open worlds. Yeah. It would be the most perfect place to have a ton of points of interest. So being able to build <laughs> a whole world of Pandora and throw those points of interest in there, and throw be pretty... five points of interest in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that, that'll be interesting that'll be kind of cool when they finally kind of talk more about some of these future games which i think we have a little tidbit later so um yeah mm-hmm. on ubisoft but yeah all right um that concludes most of the stuff that we have to talk about you got any final thoughts before we move into the quick section no let's fire through this quick stuff all right so um to kick us off uh nintendo switch the 14.0.0 update is now available. So you, if you own a Nintendo Switch, you can go ahead and download that right now. You can package, uh, you can create groups now for your software on your uh, on your Nintendo Switch. Um, which is kind of cool. Uh, with, I think there's a whole host of other things that they brought about with this uh, with this update as well. I am so excited for this update. I've been needing this in the last month, month and a half that I've owned my Switch. I need a better way to organize my five games that I own. Yeah, like the couple of games that you have. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was one thing I did think about uh, when I first bought it and realized how the UI was set up. I was like, damn, like they really yeah. need one of these things. Yeah, Something, I agree. Some way to do it. But. Um, EA Play live, not happening. Not happening this year. So no <sighs> EA Play. Uh, more than likely, they're probably bummer. just going to tag along with somebody else, you know, one of the uh, one of the existing big name friends like probably an xbox event or another state of play or something like that yeah i imagine if any other game announced games that are coming out or getting more yeah dlc are probably going to be yeah on like the xbox showcase or was it get summer game fest or something like gamescom or something yeah Mm -hmm. um along with that though ubisoft is rumored to uh have their own event now so uh Tom Henderson has reported that Ubisoft has around 20 games that they're talking about announcing um, in the near future. So this could be a really big year for open world Ubisoft games. Could be a potential. I think they're still going with the, I think they're still calling it Ubisoft forward. Who knows? They could rebrand it, but yeah, just kind of uh, I don't, I don't, I didn't put it in the notes there, but I just pulled up the site here. Just some of the games that are rumored to be part of this uh, avatar kind of already Obviously. mentioned that already. Yeah, that's uh, obvious. Skull and Bones, we've shouted about that in the last couple of weeks. Another obvious uh, one, yep. The Division Heartland, which was an expansion to, I think it was, I thought it was Division 2. Yeah. Uh, um, Immortals uh, Phoenix Rising sequel, Assassin's Creed Rift, Assassin's Creed Infinity, Ghost Recon Frontline, X Defiant, Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake, a new Prince of Persia title, oh. uh, The Crew 3, Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope, uh, Roller Champions, Beyond Good and Evil 2. Again, another one we've kind of came up with. We haven't recently. heard from, yeah, we haven't heard about that in a while. The Splinter Cell remake, the Division mobile game, and I think there was a couple of smaller mobile games too that were potentially in development as well. So if this is true and even like half those games, excluding the mobile ones, are actually going to be shown, it could be a pretty, uh, could be a pretty, pretty, ex- 
exciting event. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. Ubisoft's catalog is going to be thick this year. Yep. All right. uh, Moving on here. um, Reggie Fils-Aimé. His body is not so ready for the metaverse. (laughs) Uh, He was speaking at an event at South by Southwest, and uh, basically he said that, quote, Facebook itself is not an innovative company. They have either acquired interesting things like Oculus and Instagram, or they've been a fast follower of people's existing ideas. I don't think that their current definition will be successful. And he used speaking, of course, on Meta. Yep. Um, so his take, uh, his hot take is uh, there's probably smaller companies out there that are going to utilize a metaverse more creatively. And more than likely, of course, yeah, just like what Facebook is good at, they're probably going to just buy them up copy. or somebody's going to buy them up or copy what they do. Yeah. Not a very innovative company. Yeah. And that's kind of like, obviously, Meta's the easy one to kind of be in people's face and can easily be in the spotlight just because of how large it is. But I, I kind of kind of tend to agree with them as, as far as not even him taking shots at uh, meta slash Facebook in the sense that they just buy up interesting stuff. I mean, which is true, but like mm-hmm. just in general, if I think a smaller, uh, you know, business or company studio, whatever, they're just going to be, they're going to be allowed to be more creative. So if the metaverse or this idea of a metaverse is going to be successful, um, I at least think the ideas are going to start there. Unfortunately, it could potentially be bought up by something like meta. Uh, and then, you know, again, just like Reggie fils said, they just kind of acquire interesting things. But uh, yeah, it was kind of uh, kind of good to hear hear from Re- or hear Reggie's thoughts on this because uh, I think they are are pretty pretty true. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Borderlands Three crossplay is being added to the PS4 and Five, so now they are finally the the last horse is finally crossing the finish line. There. Yeah, I think it was the uh, last week we mentioned with Tiny Tina's that they were going to try to do it, and then. A couple days later, they basically confirmed it. Yep. Uh, I did not see a kind of a date on when it's going to happen, um, but it's going to be added at some point. If you know, uh, if you know, to, or if you remember, there's kind of crossplay already, but I think it's PC and Xbox. Uh, Sony were kind of the holdout. Borderlands Three uh, launched in that time where Sony was being a lot more. Uh, <laughs> they didn't want to play nice with people, so mm-hmm. now apparently they are. All right. Uh, do you remember X Defiant? <laughs> I remember shitting on it because it looked dumb. Yep. And yeah, neither do I. Um, so Tom Clancy's name is getting scratched off of uh, X Defiant, which is good because I remember talking about how that poor man is probably rolling in his grave by being attached to this game. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly, the reason for them doing this is that there are factions from games outside of the Tom Clancy universe, which will be included in this game. Again, I don't I, think a lot of people care. Oh, yeah. they like, And what they mean by that is that they have a lot of stuff that's like, you know, um, like the Echelon, like the Outcasts and the Cleaners from the Division. They have stuff like that, which is from, like I guess, the Tom Clancy universe that they've sort of built. But they also have other things that are like um, trying to see if I can find it here, if they have something else that isn't Tom Clancy well, related, but they haven't announced it. I think the idea here is one in general. I, I remember when we, we were watching this when it was announced was like this. This doesn't again. Why is the Tom Clancy name on this? This doesn't look any like any sort of 
you know, game that belongs with that mm-hmm. on it. You know, it's not some, yeah, it, it just didn't belong there. So I think the idea here though, too, is scratching it is now they can start, yeah, bringing in their IPs. They can hopefully if the game takes off, they'll probably start trying to copy like what Fortnite does, you know, yep. is just create partnerships and put in, you know, Thanos and the rock and, you know, what have you master cheat, you know, you know, again, they're probably going to start in a big way that they're, Probably one of the first things they do are going to be bringing in people, yeah, from existing IPs that they own that aren't aren't uh, Tom Clancy, you know. So you'll probably be able to play as like Ezio or something, and right, you know, run around as an Assassin's Creed bro. So. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, I have to cringe a little bit because I'm not ready for this sort of a thing. Um, I actually really liked this game, um, a Plague Tale, um, created by French-based studio Asobo Studio. Uh, is getting a TV show. I saw this article pop up, and I'm not gonna lie, I I I, I physically face palmed a little bit. See, my problem is this: like, I got excited because I really like the story in the world of a Plague Tale, mm-hmm. but it's just one of those like, and I think I'll feel this way more after we do the Halo show, <laughs> right. like, like. They're not going to do it justice. Now, I, I no. guess you could you well, could also argue you could also argue too, like at least these game or videos, movies and shows based off of video games, at least they're not as god awful as some of the ones we got in like the eighties and the nineties, and you know, right? You know, they're getting better. Did but you see the new Resident Evil movie? I didn't. So. It's probably worse. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, maybe I should have said that. Yeah, but like, it's like I think bad. what's the new Doom movie that came out like a couple years ago? The Mortal Kombat movie flopped its ass off. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's not a good place, man. It's not a good landscape for Unchart- video game Uncharted adaptations. Wasn't awful. Okay, I it didn't was, see that. But you know, yeah, I never played Uncharted, so it wasn't. I I have opinions on it, but I like I didn't hate it. Uh, I think what it is is, and this is common with books or games or anything like any media that isn't uh film once they bring it over I, there's no respect for the ip which i think is going to be the biggest argument that i have when we watch halo just from what we've read in the, the show so like yeah. the like i think if they could do this right i i'd be excited and i i would enjoy it but that's a big if I'm not I'm see and that's what I'm curious about is that like I'm not really that excited about this because I mean the game wasn't itself wasn't even really that long. Like the game story was pretty good, but I don't know why it needs to be adapted into an entire TV series, a movie maybe. I know. So Cash you can, money, bro. Yes, you can <laughs> sell subscriptions to probably Paramount. Oh god, Plus if this comes to Paramount like that. Plus. Yeah. You can uh, sell subscriptions to some bullshit streaming service to cash out on you know having a, a 10 episode series that gets released week after week after week like halo yeah. but that's what Again, i mean I, 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 that's why I, 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 I have to facepalm this because it's just like come on like not again like i just and this was coming off of the news and we could i mean i might as well just mention this here this is coming off of the news that there's a new resident evil tv series in the works and i was like dude come on that horse is just rotting right now like you don't need to keep beating that thing like you don't need to watch it anymore i i guess i should maybe walk back to those words because uh i just remembered i did see the new resident evil movie did you watch that yet no i didn't want to 
I, I, it's a, it's, a, it's a, let me say it's better than Doom Annihilation, which you referenced. Yes. That was, that was, you know, like sometimes there's good movies. Like to me, like the original Doom movie wasn't great, but it's a fun, like have some friends over, order some pizza, have a couple beers. And some of these movies aren't even time. like fun. Yeah. Doom Annihilation is like, have a lot of beers and you uh, might and, have and fun. Get a, get drunk and, and yeah. Uh, Resident Evil the movie when my buddy and I went to see it, it got a lot more funny fun when we were probably about a third way through. I forget what it was. Something just dumb happened. And we both looked at each other, by the way, we're the only people, only two people in the theater. (laughs) We looked at each other. We realized it's that kind of movie. And then we just started talking. Like we're just like sitting there going like, you know, like just talking throughout the movie, laughing, poking fun at things, you know, face palming. It was just like, it's just a crappy movie. It got more enjoyable. I think it had a lot of things that could have gone well for it, but it was just not good. Yeah, maybe, but I don't want to see that happen to a Plague Tale. I like a Plague Tale. <laughs> like, I like. I thought that was a really nice, charming story. It was a good, and it was a solid game. It was one of my favorite book clubs that we've done so mm-hmm. far. Yeah, we did. Which, yeah. by the way, next week, uh, our book club on Beyond Good and Evil. So, yeah. Yep. Be on the lookout for that. But yes. So, Plague Tales getting in a getting a a TV series. Um, you know, they're touting that they have people from Inglorious Bastards who are working on it. I mean, okay, yeah, it's they, a French... they have Steven Spielberg involved in the Halo TV series. I don't think that's going to make it good either. Yeah, it, I'd almost argue, but it probably made it worse. But you know, uh, who knows? We'll, we'll see. We'll see. You're yeah. going to have a good boxer bonus episodes of us talking about it. We'll I'm going to need, yeah, I'm going to need alcohol to for thursday that's what's gonna happen yeah but yeah so so you're you're optimistic you're thinking that this could be good it's it's the whole like it's that i it's kind of like with the halo tv show i always was like you know especially reading about it before we started getting more information and more trailers for it was like i don't have a good feeling about this but it's a property that i think would do well on this medium if done right so i'm hopeful for it i want it to be good but realistically I don't know if it's a good thing to be potentially excited about, but uh, A Plague Tale was developed, as you mentioned, by Asobo Studio. It's a French studio. They got a French director, and I think a French... Did I put it here? Was it in the article? Yeah, I think it's all um, like... Yeah, they're it's, really it's leading be, into the French. Yeah, you know, so maybe maybe French cinema is going to be make it better than... French, yeah. Yeah, so maybe, maybe going through French cinema there instead of... Uh, Hollywood, the Hollywood might be, garbage might yeah. be good. It, I mean, the only the only potential downside there, and I'm not complaining. I'm just lazy. Is if it's in French, then I probably would have to read the the show. Yes, <laughs> right? I don't know French, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, and that that is my hope too. Is that they're not trying to just make this for like a general audience. What they're trying to do is just retell the Plague Tale story in a live medium. Because I think, like I said. The story was pretty good. It was, it was, it was a great, it was a great game, through and through. I really, really liked everything about it, and I don't want to see that kid knocked down a peg because they had to. They just couldn't help themselves and had to adapt it into a TV series. My vote is that Tom Holland should play Hugo. There you go. <laughs> I'm kidding. That would be awful. But he's in everything now. <laughs> I know. We'll just put Tom Holland in it. No, he'd be the um, 
Yeah, he's older. He's too he's too old to be Hugo. He'd have to be uh Yeah. The the like one of the thieves or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like I'm the brother think... and sister thing going on. Maybe the, maybe the he could brother. be the happy what yeah. was it, the Inquisitor? Wasn't he kind of the bad guy that chased you wasn't that oh, the name yeah. of the he could be maybe. like obviously he'd be a quippy, happy inquisitor. <laughs> Always oh, taking his helmet off too, so he can talk to you and gonna get you, Hugo, Amicia. Yep. All right. <laughs> well, I think that wraps it up for today. Um, like the TV shows, man, they're they're killing me here. But I want them to be good because it'd be fun to experience mm-hmm. some IPs like that on on, on film, on television. Yeah. I guess. But as it currently stands, I'd rather just play through the game again because that's probably yeah. going to be a lot more fun. Anyway, wrapping all that up, this is where we close out the episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening through our spiel about TV shows and and studios being weird and games <laughs> that are tanking and reviews and all that. We really do appreciate it. Be sure to be on the lookout for our review of the Halo TV series as we cover that week to week. Um, we're going to do our best not to shit on it too hard, but I mean, we're only, we're going to work with what we got. Okay. We're only human. <laughs> we're only, and we're only human. So be on the lookout for that. That'll be uh, coming, uh, the following Wednesday from when this airs. So the, I, I believe that is March 30th, March 30th will be our first halo TV series episode. Besides that, we have our book club coming up next week. So it'll be, uh, Uh, We'll be doing our our thoughts and impressions on Beyond Good and Evil. We'll be also announcing our next book club for the month of April, which uh, I think we still need to select one. So if you got a good idea, be sure to post it on Discord and let us know what you would want to play with us. So with that said, we're going to close it out here. Be sure to go to our website, campfiregamingpodcast.com. Join our Discord so that you can chit-chat with us about the book club stuff or anything that we've uh, talked about here today. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at CampGamePod. With that said, it's been a pleasure hosting for you today. And we'll see you next time around the campfire.